every day I talk to my mom and usually every call ends with Karen, are you taking care of yourself? Promise me you're taking care of number one, because unless you take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone or anything else. Hey folks, Matt Hunsaker here. Welcome to a special bonus edition of the State Tax Show, part one in an ongoing series highlighting women in state tax. Today, we sit down with rock stars Kate Pascuzzi and Karen Denuso Wright. I'm a little slow at doing stuff, in case you haven't noticed. Back in March, which was National Women's Month, I had this great idea to do a few interview episodes spotlighting some of the awesome women who keep the state tax world moving. Well, here we are six months later with our very first interview episode. Better late than never, right? I've been blessed with a lot of great women in my life. My mother, my wife, my mother-in-law, three sisters, three daughters, 10 aunts, and 11 nieces. And I'm not even going to get into the cousins. They have taught me a lot and really shaped who I am. Eh, at least they meant well. They do so many awesome things. My oldest sister has a flourishing dramatic costume business. My next sister is a mogul, and I'm not using that term lightly, in the professional quilting world. And my sweet little sister is a rough-and-tumble general contractor and quickly taking over southwest Idaho. The women in my life, though, are not unusual. Women around the world have been doing so much wonderful, creative, and important work to make the world a better place. And frankly, there are few places where this is more true than in the state and local tax world. And so we here at the State Tax Show are going to be sprinkling in a few bonus episodes here and there, highlighting the awesome women in state tax and getting their advice for women starting out in the field. We are kicking it off with two of the best, Kate Pascuzzi, who is State Tax Counsel for ConocoPhillips, and Karen DiNuzzo-Wright, who is Director of State Income Tax Strategy and Compliance at Walmart. Here's our discussion. Kate and Karen, thanks so much for joining our inaugural episode in the series highlighting women in state tax. Thank you, We're Matt. We appreciate here. being here. Jinx. <laughs> of course, we'd say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, you guys go back quite a ways, don't you? Well... Um, in theory, we should, but we only ran into each other, what, Karen, two years ago? Yeah, Cost Denver Income Tax Conference. Was it Denver? It was Denver. Okay, you got to tell me this. You got to tell me the story. I have vague memories of it last time we talked. Karen, do you want to go first or you want me to start? 
Well, I'm pretty sure it started with my being in the lobby trying to print my boarding pass for my <laughs> innocently day. Minding yeah, <laughs> my own business at 9:30 at night in the lobby when a brunette started screaming at me from across <laughs> the lobby. <laughs> and let's add in too who was there because Marilyn Wethicombe was there. And I think Arthur Partum was there. So like the king and queen of state tax. And here I am embarrassing myself brand new to state tax. But I had I just found out that Karen went to my same law school and was from New England. And there was no stopping me. I had to meet her. I think it started with, hey, Northwestern. <laughs> Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. We should have invited Doug Lindholm and Professor Pomp. Maybe we could have made it more embarrassing for me. Awesome. But it was a good first impression, I think. We've been friends ever since. And you're not that far from each other. So Bartlesville, Bentonville, it's not terribly far apart. It actually was one of the things that also had come up when we first met. How is it that you know, the two of us hailing from New England would wind up in Oklahoma and Arkansas, respectively. So it was really a lot of fun to to talk about how we got to where we are now. Right, right. What I think is really fun about this interview is I don't think I've ever talked to two people at the same time who both have double Z's in their name. <laughs> you know, that had never occurred to me. But we did both just find out that we are our families are both from Naples, which is a weird place to be from in Italy. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so you grew up in Boston and Bartlesville, Tulsa area, that's that's a little off the beaten path. How'd you get there? <laughs> it's a bit off the beaten path. Let's see. I went to college in New Orleans and needed to get out of there after four years. I loved it, but I was done with it. So I decided to go back to Boston for law school and, you know, I, I love Boston. It would be a place that I would recommend to anybody that can stand cold weather and high rent prices, but I was not one of those people. So a job came up, I was working for Deloitte and a job came open in Houston. And when you end up in Houston, you end up knowing energy. And when yeah. I went into industry, um, ConocoPhillips was looking and it was really just the perfect match. And Bartlesville, I mean, it's, it's this little corporate bubble right in the middle of Oklahoma. It's a beautiful little city. I will never regret going there. It's it's a fun place and a great company. Now, Karen, you hail from the Northeast as well. Uh, how did you end up in Bentonville? Can you give us the the short version of your journey? Sure. Well, so I actually grew up in New Jersey, but went to college up in Boston. Uh, I went to Boston College and... From there, pursued my law degree at Northeastern, although I did take a quick detour down to the University of Miami, where I studied my first year. So graduated from Northeastern, started working with Ernst & Young out of their Boston office. And after working there for 11 years, I had an opportunity to join Staples Corporate Tax Department. Worked at Staples Corporate Tax Department for about 13 years when an opportunity presented itself in Bentonville. As it turned out in the spring of that year, um, Staples and TJX had hosted a retail group. So we had some, some folks from Walmart head up to our area to participate in that, in that group. And it was at that time we had heard that there were openings. And I had jokingly made a comment 
that, hey, well, maybe I'll put my resume in. And the next thing I knew, a week later, I got a phone call. And that's what really opened up the conversations. And quite frankly, um, it's been it's been an adventure ever since. My husband and I thoroughly enjoy being in the Bentonville area. We were unprepared for how beautiful this part of the country is. Right. The first thing he sold was the snowblower. We hadn't even sold the house yet, but he sold the <laughs> snowblower. So I knew this would be a good move for us. Again, great company, great area in which to live and work. And um, it's it's been a great ride. I've been with the company four years. I celebrated my fourth year anniversary last week. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, Kate, I have to ask this question. <laughs> Can you pinpoint the time in your life where you decided that you were going to be doing tax work for a living? Oh, um, yeah, I can. And it was actually never. I um, came out of school (laughs) (laughs) knowing that I was going to do finance, securities law. And, you know, I I had a master's in finance. All my teachers told me to go into tax. I said, no, you know, I don't like tax. Tax isn't where I want to be. And I started working in securities law and it was 2007, I think. And you started seeing these rumbles in the market. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one day Deloitte called me and said, hey, what do you think about being a tax lawyer now? And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And that was it. You know, I started there. I um, I had no idea what an 1120 was when I walked in the door. I had no idea what tax was really when I walked in the door, but I've been here 15 years and it's been a phenomenal career. Well, I hope that you eventually find the <laughs> the career that you're looking for, but no, I, it, sounds I found it. That, it, it sounds to me <laughs> that whether you want to admit it or not, you're a tax. So. No, I found it. I love tax. Awesome. I, if I could go back and do it all over again, I'd do it the same exact way. How about you, Karen? Can you pinpoint that moment you became a tax person? Yeah, and I feel like I'm going to geek out on y'all because it was pretty pretty early on. Um, When I was in college, I knew I wanted to be an accounting major, uh, but it was always the tax classes that caught my attention. And my parents would tell you that I always said I wanted to go to law school. So quite frankly, um, making that move into law school I had continued my my interests in tax law. So I, I knew fairly early on. I guess I didn't really find my my interest in state tax until I got into Ernst & Young and had the opportunity to do different things as a staff one. Um, but pretty quickly, um, actually within my first year, I knew that that state income tax, actually state tax was the direction in which I wanted to go. Kate, can you tell us something about yourself that that you think would surprise our listeners? Sure. Growing up, probably my two least favorite things in the world were public speaking and writing. I in college You're on would a drop courses. For crying out loud. What? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I um would drop courses in college as soon as I saw the syllabus and saw that there was a public speaking component. Even if it was 10 minutes, I wasn't going to do it. And now those are my two favorite things. I guess, you know, competence breeds passion, but the more I do public speaking, the more I write. I mean, at this point, I'm really to the point, I'll write at home as a hobby. And in public speaking, every opportunity I get, I raise my hand to do. I love them both, but only through a lot of hard years of practice. 
Well, I would have never guessed that because you know I've heard you speak before. You're a great speaker, and from your long list of speaking engagements, it doesn't strike me as a person who is <laughs> afraid of engaging on the speaking platform. I used to get nervous speaking in meetings, even. You know, I would get those butterflies before I had to speak in meetings, and that was around my friends and colleagues. So, Matt, I think when you heard me speak, I was in the big room at the at the cost annual conference, and yeah, that was still a little bit much for me. I think at one point I did threaten the crowd that I might duck under the table at one point, but I <laughs> stayed up and I was fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did great. Thank you. Now, how about you, Karen? Do you got a secret that you don't think that people would expect of you? Well, I, I guess I will share what most with with what most people say they're surprised um, surprised about when they hear it, and that is, I was a very shy child. <laughs> I didn't like to talk to anybody, and you really have to come out of your shell um, at some point, right? And so, yeah. actually. When I went off to college in Boston, it was an opportunity for me to reinvent myself. And you can't be shy at law school. You can't be shy in college and you can't be shy in law school. You have that right. Um, but I was a very shy child. And so I tried to really come out of my shell as I as I grew up in the Boston area. And at, at this point, it's important to me to make connections with people and build relationships. Um, it is those relationships that actually landed me here at Walmart. Again, it was because of the relationships with Walmart associates at the group I had mentioned. And so I, I think that tends to surprise folks when they find out that I was very shy as a child, because I, I do try to socialize and, and network and build those relationships. It's very important in what we do. You know, the, the similarities between you two continue to grow. <laughs> Karen, can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you you do in your current role with some of your responsibilities? So at Walmart, I am responsible for state income tax strategy and compliance. And while top of mind, one of the things that we are working very hard on right now is readying for the state and city income tax compliance season. Well, I'm sure you have an awesome team to help you out with that. I do. Kate, you are state tax council. Yep. That's correct. What are some of the responsibilities that you have at ConocoPhillips? So a lot of tracking legislation that may impact our company on a state income tax level, a lot of working with state governments. If there is something coming up that we may have interest in, and if there is something that's going on in the state audit side, the state tax audit side, then I'll end up involved in that. Do you do any work with indirect tax or, you, or is it purely income tax? For me, it's just income tax. I don't know about Karen. For me, our, my focus is on the state income tax space with franchise tax as well. And you know, we will partner with our indirect tax teams as need be. Um, it seems lately there are tax types coming out that cross over into both spaces. So, right, Not true. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been fun to decide who's responsible for some of the commercial activity taxes, where one Same. deduction kicks us over into the income tax space, like a game of hot potato. It's <laughs> exactly right. Well, one of the purposes of this interview series with women in state tax, and again, thank you for being willing to kick off our first show, is to give advice to women who are just getting started in the field. I think of my little daughter who's about to 
graduate in not too long is going to start thinking about career choices and what to do in school. And so it's kind of near and dear to my heart. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's just getting started in a tax career? I would say just cut yourself a break when you start out in tax. It's a very, very humbling career when you're first starting out. Tax is not something that you can sit and just be smart at. It's not logical. It's truly financial fiction. And so it takes a long time. And, you know, I still have those days where I'm like, I don't know what's going on. It takes a long time to figure out the policy behind tax and why the tax is different than our financials. So I would just say, don't put too much pressure on yourself when you're starting out. No one is a tax genius that hasn't been doing it for decades. It takes quite a while to feel comfortable in tax, but man, it's a phenomenal career. You are never without work. You're never without fun people. I know we don't get the best reputation in tax, but it really is a great group of people and it's been a better career than I could have ever imagined. That's good advice. I think one of the one of the hardest lessons I had to learn when I first started was that despite the hours of legal research in which you may engage, you actually may not find an answer. And that can be very frustrating, uh, especially when you want to prove yourself, you want to demonstrate you're smart and, and can get the job done. And you know, I remember in my early years at Ernst & Young being assigned multi-state research projects and struggling where sometimes I could not find an answer. And that was not unexpected, but I wish I knew that before I started the project. <laughs> Especially in, in state tax where the law is so underdeveloped in places. Exactly. I also think that that's what makes this area so exciting. The diversity of the issues that we address, the conformity or lack thereof. If everything was the same, what fun would that be? So it really has been such an intellectually stimulating career opportunity all along the way, I think. So that would be my advice for starting out is building on what Kate had shared, but also recognizing that the answers aren't always in black and white. Excellent. And we all know that as much fun as tax work is, it can be a little bit demanding. What kind of advice would you two give to those that are starting out with regard to how to balance the demands of furthering your career, you know, with family and personal time? Gosh, for me, I would say know that one is just as important as the other. It is very easy to burn yourself out. And once you're burned out, you're not real good at tax. It it requires your brain power. So Make sure you are setting some side of time, if possible, to recharge and get ready for that next day because we've all been there where we've worked too many days, too many hours, and it does start to affect your work. But it, it, it can be a demanding job. And, and in tax, we do tend to see a lot of cycles where you're going to have times where you're not as busy and then it's insanely busy. So it's real important in the down times to take that time for yourself and take that time for your family. Kate, I think that's really an important point. Sometimes you feel guilty when you have that lull just to sit back and kind of take a deep breath, but you really need to because it's so important to reset for when the, the madness starts again. 
for me, it's, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing effort. Every day I talk to my mom and usually every call ends with Karen. Are you taking care of yourself? Promise me you're taking care of number one, because unless you take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone or anything else. And I've come to value those calls each and every day because it reminds me of the importance of ensuring that I'm taking care of myself while at the same time trying to do everything I know I want and need to do, whether for a colleague or for my husband or for our fur babies. (laughs) Awesome. That's great advice. And I think that'll be very helpful to our listeners. Matt, you asked about the advice that we would give to someone starting out. And, and, and yet, as I reflected on that question, I also thought another question that would be helpful to the audience is what advice would you give or what has been some of the most impactful advice you've received? And, you know, I think about those moments in my career journey where someone has made such an impression on me that not only has it informed my own thinking and path forward, but has also enabled me to be hopefully a better mentor and manager uh, to those with whom I work. I'll never forget the time someone in response to a situation I was sharing said, Karen, don't be a victim. And it was like cold water thrown at me. And in that moment, I wasn't quite sure how to react, but I will never forget those words. And it has shaped how I respond to situations ever since then. And to me, what that means is never feel like you don't have control over a situation to the point that it renders you helpless. That's great advice. Absolutely. Thank you both so much for taking some time out of your day to do something you didn't have to do and to help pass on some of your life lessons to to those women who are just getting started in the field. So thanks again for joining. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Can't tell you guys how much fun that was. Those two are wild. I wish I could publish some outtakes of the pre and post recording. I've got a bunch more interviews lined up, and we are going to just keep on sprinkling those in on occasion as bonus episodes. So be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any of those. Until next week, this is Matt Hunsaker for The State Tax Show. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker & Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.